Maybe this thought has crossed your mind when the subject of giving comes up. On the topic of giving, some things that I've heard as we've discussed this topic, you know, on, on the radio or after a service is, I'll, I'll hear, it's amazing, but I'll hear it from time to time where I'll hear a family or a dad say, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give. We've got this bill and we've got this credit card and we've got this car payment. The Macedonian churches could have said the same thing because we learn in the beginning they were what? In deep Poverty. It doesn't say they didn't have anything. It says they were in deep poverty and much affliction. And so they could have simply decided not to give, but that's not the decision. I believe for my home and my family, the opposite is true. I can't afford not to give. This is amazing grace. Martin Luther was heard to say, I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all, but what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. That was the mindset of the people we'll be introduced to today on Abounding Grace as they gave themselves to the Lord. It led to them giving above their ability. Imagine that. Pastor Ed Taylor is about to open 2 Corinthians 8 as we again seek to give you a balanced approach to giving. Just like we see here in the New Testament, I think that when you and I do what's right and what God commands and what God tells us to do, he blesses that. I believe that. I know it's simple, but I believe it. I believe that when you and I will read the Bible and do what it says, God blesses that. Do you know, I believe he always blesses that. Now, don't get me wrong. I go, well, what did you give, Ed, and how much did you get back? That's not the kind of blessing I'm thinking of. It's like, so, okay, let's set this up, and we'll give this much, and then God will give us a hundredfold. That's nonsense. The blessing is just being obedient. That's where it starts. Where not only do you give, think about what this feels like, and some of you can. I'm not describing something you don't know. But when you are touched to, to bless someone or to give to someone, but you're so touched by the Spirit that you give above and beyond what you even thought you were going to do, there's something special about that. Nobody told you to do it. Nobody twisted your arm. Nobody guilted you. Nobody, you know, made fun of you. No, it was just you and the Lord. And you were first touched, and then in that, just you turned your attention to the Lord. And in that, God began to lead you to do more, more than you even thought. And, and, you know, it could be money, it could be time, it could be your giftings, your talent, just giving of yourself. But how do you get there? You've got to first give yourself to the Lord. You've got to first give yourself to the Lord. And let me give you the opposite of that. The opposite of that is that, well, you haven't done anything for me. That's the exact extreme of giving yourself first to the Lord. Well, wait a minute, I'm hearing about all this giving. You haven't done anything for me. First, give yourself to the Lord. Get back to what's important. Get back to the place. A lot of times there is... There are needs in your life because you don't ask. Isn't that what Jesus said? We don't have, 
because we don't ask. Or another reason why there are needs in our lives is not because someone didn't help, but the Bible says that when you pray, you ask amiss. It's a crooked desire. And God's answer to that crooked desire is no. And so there's a lot of different reasons. So I don't know what the reason is, but I do know this. If you will obey, if you will obey first giving yourself to the Lord, God will bless that. I know he will. But not, not only that, how do you do that? Verse 1, Paul says this. This is Ephesians 4. If you guys got there. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I believe he means that literally and spiritually, beg you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I beg you, I exhort you, I, I, want, I want to, Paul says, I'm coming alongside of you, please have a work worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul begs them to remember their calling and have a walk that's worthy of it. Have a walk worthy of your relationship with Jesus and all that that means, all that he's done for you, all that he's doing, and all that he's going to continue to do in our lives. So often we want to have a walk that's separate from that calling, that's separate from his work in our lives, trying to live right before being first being right. And we step out backwards. We step out not out of grace, but with this desire to work hard and to please God with our own strength and our own wisdom. And so sermons are heard and seminars are attended and books are read. And, and we're after the, the right things, aren't we? We want a happy home, so we'll pick up a book on a happy home. And we want to have a strong marriage, so we'll pick up a book on a strong marriage. And we want to learn how to use our finances, and so we have classes here. And so we'll take one of the classes. And I think all of that is awesome. That's why we have them. We want to help you in every stage of your life to be a more compelled, strong disciple, a follower of Jesus. But not backwards. Not backwards. Not walking into a class thinking, you know, if I take this class... Everything's going to be great, not backwards. Because if you don't first have a walk that's worthy of your calling, then you're just going to take what you learn and you're just going to try to do it in your own strength. And you're going to end up in the, class, in the next class of, I know you took the marriage class, but now your marriage is worse. You're going to take that class next. And you go, how did I get here? Didn't we just spend eight weeks learning about our marriage? Yes, but you did it backwards. You didn't first give yourself to the Lord. You gave yourself to a class. Now, I think that's great, and if that's all you do, do it, because even the Holy Spirit can use that, but it will often lead to frustration. Because the only reason you even care about that class is because of what God has done for you. And the only reason you want what's right in your marriage is because God loves you, and he sent his son Jesus to die for you. That even in your worst condition, I mean, really, I don't know what your worst condition is. You really don't even know what my worst condition was. You don't really want to know. But I know in my worst condition, the love of God still reached out to me. Was still chasing, the Spirit of God was still chasing after me, trying to convince me of God's love, trying to bring conviction of sin in my life. And when I walk into a class knowing what God has done for me, then that knowledge is absorbed and the Spirit of God in me lives out the truths that I learn. It's a big difference. We first present ourselves to the Lord, recognizing how loved we are, how we are the very precious people of God, how we stand in the grace of God, how we have been given as believers every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
But here's the danger. The danger is that we can begin to think, even in the topic of giving as well, that in our walk that's worthy, we, we begin to think that we're the initiators with God. And somehow it depends upon us. And this is what that sounds like, what it, what it feels like at times, what it might even come. If I just pray enough, or if I just give enough, or if I just do enough, then God will bless me. Listen, God has blessed you. It's already done. You and I are living under the gracious blessing of God right now. And if today you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never repented of your sin, you're living in an incredible gracious patience of God waiting for you. Do you know the Bible says that God's patience is unto salvation? And what what that means is that God is waiting. And in his waiting, he's waiting for you to respond. It's giving you time. Every breath that you take is giving you time. Every day that you live is giving you time. Every week, every month, God's patience is specifically in for you in your life, for your salvation. And those of us that have experienced salvation, it's not about praying enough or doing enough or giving enough. Those things will lead, if that's the focus, will lead to frustration and disappointment. Let me give you an example. So the topic's giving, and, and God's been speaking about giving, and so now you really feel a burden to start giving, so you write a big check, you put it in the, in the offering box, and tomorrow you wake up feeling the same way. You go, but God, I gave. I obeyed. Why hasn't anything changed? You know, God, I'll give more. So now you, you know, just like, well, I'm going to go online, I'm going to put it, and now I'm going to give more. And, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, God, nothing's changed. I did what the pastor said, I gave. Did I give enough? No, you didn't really do what the pastor said because you first give yourself to the Lord. You first recognize what God has done for you. You don't give to God to get. You give to God because it belongs to him, just like you do. And that conscious decision to give yourself to the Lord is a reminder. It could be even described, I think, um, like in the book of Revelation, when the church in Ephesus, this very same church we just read in chapter 4, that Paul begged to have a walk that's worthy of their calling and what God has done for them, this same church many years later fell away from their first love. And in one of the decisions that Jesus made, For the seven churches he specifically chose, he chose Ephesus and he told them that you have left your first love. So remember from where you have fallen. Repent and then return and go back and repeat your first works. Go back. If you can recall, I I do, I recall those early days following Jesus, just how blown away I was at the grace of God. It was real close to how jacked up I was, and I was just like, wow, God, I, I didn't believe it. It was a battle in my life. I just couldn't be, I mean, I did believe it, but then I didn't believe it. I mean, I believe what Pastor said, and I believe what the Bible said. I read it with my own eyes, but then I started to apply it to my own life, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I'm a little bit over the edge of what God loves. I think I'm just a little bit too far. And then, of course, there were the stumbles and the things, and, and, and I, wasn't, I didn't change overnight. And I'm like, what's that all about? What do you mean I didn't change overnight? Maybe I'm not saved. And God would always bring me back to, no, 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 this isn't about what you do. And you spent your whole life living the way you want to live. This is not your deal anymore. You belong to me. I bought you with the blood of my own son. And so this isn't about how, what you can do 
or how many laws you can keep, or how many ceremonies, or, or how many rituals, or how much you do. This is about what I have done. And when you really recognize, and you remember, and you begin to meditate on the love and the grace and the mercy of God, for however long you can stay there, it's a good place to be. And that's how back in 2 Corinthians, they gave above their ability. They gave above their ability. Why? Because they first gave themselves to the Lord. They recognized all that God has done. And because I recognize all that God was, has done, you know what I do? I serve him more and more. And I give more and more. And I pray more and more. And my desire for the word grows more and more. And the things that help me grow, I enjoy. It's, it's done out of joy and not frustration. And if I stumble or fall, I stumble and fall in the grace of God. And I'm reminded that the Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And those of you that have been around long enough, you know that you can multiply that verse like seven times if you want. You know, though a man fall 49 times. Okay, that's your life right now. Or wait a minute, Ed, I fell, I've fallen. I'm keeping track right here in my Bible. 472 and a half times. Well, you're going to get up from that too by the grace of God. Not the other way around. It's been so twisted and perverted. I think back, go back to Exodus chapter 25. Let me just see. This is not some New Testament principle that just popped into Paul's heart as sometimes it's accused. The Holy Spirit has inspired all of the scripture. And right here in Exodus 25, as they're gathering the resources for the building of the tabernacle, look, look what God says through Moses. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses. This is Exodus 25, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Now, the first thing you notice is that doesn't sound like Christian television, does it? There's no coercion, no guy looking in the camera, uh, just making stuff up, no promise. There's no, if you give to build the tabernacle, we'll give you, just tell the people to bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly, from his heart, you shall take, what does your Bible say? My offering. When was the last time you heard someone take an offering like that? Hey, look, we only want you to give if you have a willing heart. You'll always hear that here. We're going to say that here. I mean, we don't even take a formal offering. Not that we're against it, uh, but we just know uh, we're very, very comfortable with the way we take an offering here. There are boxes around the sanctuary. You come to worship God. You know giving is a part of your worship, so worship him between you and the Lord. But if we were ever to do an offering, I'm not opposed to it. The church I came from have an offering. I can see uh, nothing, nothing against it as a pastor, as a fellow believer. If we were to ever give an offering, it would be just like this. If you're willing to give unto the Lord, go for it. And sometimes when we have big projects here, we have another piece of property or some big project that's coming, we will just put it on a piece of paper and say, guess what, guys? I think the Lord is leading us in this direction. It's going to cost us five million bucks. Um, I don't know where it's going to come from, but if you want to give to it, give to it. And each time we've done that, things show up. We're not going to follow you home. 
We're not going to watch you. We don't have cameras on the boxes. This is just the, this is the right way to do it. This is the, there's no pressure. It's between you and the Lord. There's no, not going to be any promise if you give. There's double and triple portions in return. We're not going to work on your greed. You know, sometimes I wanted to point this out because you'll, I, I don't watch much Christian television, but when I do fall upon the channels, it's usually some guy looking in the camera demanding for me to give. And sometimes, or in the past, not recently, but in the past, I, I remember seeing a guy say that if you don't have the money that you need to give by faith, and what he meant by giving by faith is just to put it on your visa. You have no money, you're already in debt, and so he'll even use this passage in Second Corinthians to say, well, give above your ability, so that means just put it on your credit card, and if not your credit card, grandma's credit card, or whatever. That's not the heart of God. You know, for those of you that know how to use credit as cash and rewards, God doesn't want you going into debt. He doesn't desire. He wants you to give from the increase. He doesn't, you know, that's why we spend so much time with the financial classes here to try to teach. When you learn how to use money, you'll be blown away. Not let the system use you. But when you learn how to use money, just like Jesus said, this using unrighteous mammon for the kingdom, when you learn how to use money, it's just money. That's all it is, you know. Uh, we're not trading buttons anymore. It's money. But if it was, if it was we were trading buttons, you know, for food, then we would have a class on how to use your buttons wisely. It does, that's, it's just the system. It's the system. And the credit system and the banking system is designed against you. You just got to understand that. But when you do understand that and you start to learn how to use money for the glory of God then you can use it in such a way where the kingdom of God just accelerates. And so don't let anyone, you know, press you. Just give it on the visa. No, you don't have it. You don't have it to give. Step back and go, wow, Lord, I need you to bless. I need you to remind me of your good. I need your abundant provision because I want to be a giver. God will honor that desire. Those things that we see is just so discouraging as people are often taken advantage of. One of the things back in 2 Corinthians now, again on this topic of giving yourself to the Lord and on the topic of giving, some things that I've heard as we've discussed this topic you know, on, on the radio or after a service is, I'll, I'll hear, it's amazing, but I'll hear it from time to time where I'll hear a family or a dad say, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give. We've got this bill, and we've got this credit card, and we've got this car payment. The Macedonian churches could have said the same thing because we learned in the beginning they were what? In deep poverty. It doesn't say they didn't have anything. It says they were in deep poverty and much affliction. And so they could have simply decided not to give, but that's not the decision. I believe for my home and my family... The opposite is true. I can't afford not to give. I can't afford spiritually in my life not to give. I remember years ago when we were learning this lesson, the Lord placed it upon our hearts, Marie and I, for her to stay home. And that was a big sacrifice for us because we were both working at the time and she made more money than I did and she had all our medical insurance, all of it. It was, the, it was a tremendous sacrifice for us, but we believed it was from the Lord. 
We had missed so many years with our son, Eddie, uh, when we were not saved and we were fighting one another, Marie and I, and, and exchanging custody of him. And it was just really, really bad season. And once we got saved, um, we were like, man, we've, we've got another son now and it would just be really good. We just think it's from the Lord. And that was this decision to cut our income in more than half and then to go without medical insurance. It ended up being five years, five years. And God provided in many different ways. But I remember that when I made $300 a week, we gave the Lord $30. And then I made $350 a week. And we gave the Lord $35. Then I just started getting these raises. It was wonderful. I made $400 a week. I don't know how we raised the family on that, but that's what we made. And I gave what? $40. I made $450. I gave what? And so God was training me with the little that I had. So that I, when I was faithful with the little, he entrusted me with a little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. And I mentioned last week, that's exactly how we trained our kids. It doesn't matter if they found a penny, just cut it into tenths and give a tenth of that penny under the Lord. We didn't go that extreme, but they would put it in and we would teach them even to this day. They don't do it with the little plastic bank anymore. They do it with envelopes and such. But even to this day, we want to instill with them because when they leave our house and they start to raise their own family and they get their own paycheck and it's more than birthday money and it's more than allowance and it's when they have a responsibility of God's money, we want to know that we laid the foundation for them early on, even when they gave us grief and even when you could see it in their face, they were so sad to see so much of their money go away. We always take that opportunity to remind them it's not your money. The Lord blessed you with this. you got to honor him. You've you got to keep him at the forefront in your life. And God may be training you right now. There's no pressure. There's no begging. No false promises. Moses just was told. Paul's just saying the same thing. Tell the people to give. And now I have the privilege of doing that as well. Tell the people to give from a willing heart. And in that faithfulness, God will. Now, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, they went above their ability. They gave freely and willingly. And so in verse 6, it says, We urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. And then Paul says, As you abound in everything, in faith and speech, in knowledge and all diligence, And in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And so we're just going to break down the chapters in the next few weeks and look at various ingredients, how God uses it, what God does through giving. But you can see right away, this is no legalistic obligation. Um, This is your opportunity to be a good steward. And we'll talk on that topic as well and explain what stewardship is of what God has entrusted to your care. Not just money, although the very specific context of Corinthians is money, but there's so much more to give to a world that needs to see giving hearts. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a series that's based in 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to hear it again, go to calvaryco.church. 
Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word of God to help them grow by God's abounding grace. And when you support this ministry today with the gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Contented in All Things, Peace by Jeff Geip. Maybe you've noticed many Americans today lack true contentment. No matter how much they have, they're always wanting more, bigger, better. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. And in Contented, Pastor Jeff Geip helps the reader find peace in all things and get on the path to contentment in Christ. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryco.church on the web. That's 877-30-GRACE and calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.